0: your favorite pga and lpga legends pros and top instructors are right here every week on next on the t join chris as the greats of the game share their stories insights and playing lessons now back to chris and more of the show
1: all right, now joining me is my co-host from the football side, Thursday Night Tailgate, and that's Mr. Bob Lazeri. Bob co-hosted the show with me a few weeks ago when we had the pleasure of interviewing Nathan Groob, who is the tournament director for the Travelers Championship at TPC River Highlands up in Cromwell, Connecticut, which was won by Bubba Watson, who shot an amazing final round, 63, to come from six shots back and to win by three. You can check out Bob and I talking with NFL legends, players, coaches, media members from around the country every Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time, live on Blog Talk Radio. You can also stream the show as a podcast over on Podbean, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Audioboom. This week, our guests are going to be former Bills wide receiver Don Beebe, former Patriots Pro Bowl running back Tony Collins, who joins us every week, former Steelers and Seahawks linebacker Chad Brown, former president of HBO Sports, uh, Ross Greenberg, and then uh, former Jets defensive back, Victor Green, all will be joining us this Thursday night from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So we're very much looking forward to this week's show, and it's great to have Bob with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Bob. How are you, my friend?
0: Hey, Chris. Happy 4th to you, and I hope everything's well with you.
1: Uh, I appreciate you. Happy Fourth to you as well, and uh, and a shout out to uh, to your father and all our veterans listening in tonight on uh, the Armed Forces Radio Network for their service to our country. Bob, your your father was a veteran, so uh, we owe him a debt of gratitude as well.
0: Well, I appreciate it, Chris. It's, uh, again, it's uh, it's always good to honor these men on a daily basis, but uh, days like this makes you take a little bit of a closer look. And uh, again, shout out to all those brave heroes out there.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. So, Bob, let's let's get right into it. And First of all, the most important part of your week and your time at the Travelers Championship, how was the free-flowing Ben & Jerry's ice cream? You know I'm the most jealous <laughs> about that part of your week.
0: Well, I've always been a, a big advocate of how they treat the media here in Hartford, Chris, and they did not disappoint again this year. Again, it's one of those deals where if you show up there, at eight in the morning, or if you show up at three in the afternoon, you're going to get your pick of the litter as far as buffets. And it goes from a breakfast to a lunch to a snack, but it's all gourmet stuff. And it's available all the time. And there's a non-ending flow of it. So uh, you got to really pace yourself, Chris. Uh, it's the <laughs> ultimate test of willpower. And uh, I uh, didn't really pass this year. Let's put it that way. So, uh, But it's, again, just part of the The uh, Travelers experience that you and I have talked about, how they do it well every year, that's just a very small part of it, the hospitality of the media members.
1: And, Bob, I want to revisit the conversation that we got to have a couple of weeks ago with Tournament Director Nathan Groob. He talked about the extraordinary lengths that they go to in order to get the top players to come and play in that tournament. It's not easy getting those top players to want to play an event either the week before or the week after you know, an event like a major like the U.S. Open and most players elect to sk- skip those, right? And, uh, and re- either rest up or practice up or go play some practice rounds at the, at the site. Yet these guys get, uh, the top players, guys like we mentioned, Bubba Watson, Paul Casey, Bryson DeChambeau, Rory McElroy, Jason Day, Justin Thomas, defending champion, Jordan Spieth, and, and back to back U.S. Open champion, Brooks Kepka, who kept his word and went and played there after winning the U.S. Open the week before. So talk about not only what Nathan said to us, but also you know what you heard and what you saw when you're covering that tournament every year.
0: Well, first and foremost, Chris, there's a reason why I, at this point the organizers, and I'm sure you got this idea when we talked to Nathan, they consider it a challenge now and, and a uh, one they like to meet head-on every year uh, of the uh, the logistics of this tournament happening right after the U.S. Open. It's 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 a very a big challenge for them to get the players and to, to work probably twice as hard as anyone does on the tour to make this tournament go. And, uh, again, it just never ceases to amaze me how well they do at that. For example, last year, Chris, this was named the tournament of the year on the PGA Tour uh, in 2017. It was voted also the most fan-friendly tour. And uh, the probably the biggest honor was it was the player's choice uh And that's something that you'd have to say is probably Nathan's uh biggest accomplishment. Players' choice, especially when it's located after that U.S. Open, Chris, for them guys to still say, they treat us so well and it's such good hospitality, I have to go. And that's kind of the case. Brooks Koepka got here, Chris, and he basically told a lot of people in the media tent, I'm just dead tired here, but, uh, I'm gonna be here because, uh, that's the, what the travelers do. And of course, we can talk more about how all the proceeds go to charity and everything. But Kepka, I mean, did his minus nine after being like totally exhausted and fatigued. So that shows you kind of a devotion right there of one man to this tournament. And again, uh, just like you said, Chris, five of the top ten players in the world came after the U.S. Open. They all shot under par, well under par. And uh, again, after the tournament, a guy like Spieth came out and said, look, next year they're facing challenges because it's out in Pebble Beach the day before, it's the week before. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. Just because of my uh, logistics myself, he said, but if I don't make it that year, I'll be sure to be there the next year. So that's how much respect they have for it right now. But uh, there's many stories like that, but you get the idea that, again, those awards they won in 2017 uh, were well-deserved.
1: And Bob, you mentioned scoring, and I want to talk a little bit about course conditions because we did see good scoring there, right? Bubba Watson winning with a with a with a score of 17 under par, Paris pair of 63s in his four rounds, getting an opportunity to come make some birdies has got to be a welcome relief for these guys after how grueling it is to go play at the U.S. Open. But talk about the course layout and the course conditions there.
0: Oh, they love the course, Chris, and every year, you're right. I mean, just the time of year it happens, end of June, it starts getting warm here. That course is known for getting a little spongy, a little humidity in the air. You might have a day or two of a few misty showers. It all plays into their hands. So many of these players, if you look at the final scores, so many of them, Chris, were under 70 each day. I mean, all scores in the 60s for all four days. Just a matter of how low you can go. Course record here was 2009, I believe. Kenny Perry at a 258. That was 22 under par, Chris. It can go that low, and uh, it's just very unpredictable um, because you know guys are going to be in the 60s every day. Uh, after day one, you had Spieth and Zach Johnson at 63. You said with these guys' pedigree, good chance one of those guys is going to be it there at the end. A guy like Bubba Watson shoots just par. On the opening day and ends up winning the tournament. that's what it's it's another thing is how unpredictable it can be. You can score on it. It's unpredictable. Uh, but uh, in the in the conditions this year, Chris, Saturday, the attendance was down a little bit because of the misty rain, but it was just spongy and humid enough without being totally crazy hot that it was ideal for scoring this year.
1: and Bob, with with the guys that we mentioned again, like Bubba and Rory and J T. and Kepka. Guys that you know can really knock the cover off the ball. I have to imagine you saw some amazing tee shots and some amazing golf shots walking around the golf course.
0: Oh, sure. It starts right off the bat when you see Bubba um, teeing off. I mean, he'll 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 put one in your and you just see the people in the in the gallery just going wow, you know. And uh, of course, we saw Speed at the beginning of the tournament, holding out from another bunker like he did last year, which people were just having uh, flashbacks about. Incredible, Chris, and uh, I was able to follow Stuart Sink and Charlie Hoffman on the weekend. Pretty impressive guys that can hit the ball a, a long way. Stuart Sink loves this course, too. Another two-time winner who was in the 60s every day and finished with a 62 on Sunday. Uh, if he had um, just played a little bit better, uh, possibly Friday, Thursday, Friday, he would have been there. But uh, it was he loves the course. Again, a multi-winner like Bubba Watson, and uh, it was fun watching Stuart Sink and Charlie Hoffman. They're a good pair.
1: Yeah, and I want to build off a couple of things that you just said there, Bob. Particularly, let's start with Stuart Sink, right? You mentioned his final round, 62, finished in a four-way tie for second place, and, and he started to play really well over his last three tournaments. A tie for fourth at the FedEx St. Jude the week before the U.S. Open, then following his his tie for second at the Travelers. He had four rounds in the 60s last weekend in the Quicken Loans National. And like you say, you got to follow him around on Sunday. What are you seeing from his game? Because a guy at 45 starting to really find it and find his way into the top five, that's got to be encouraging for a guy like Sink.
0: Yes, because when you go back, when you think about it, Chris, he first won here over 20 years ago. And thats it's kind of amazing wow. to me Uh, because that was one of the first tournaments I attended. He won in 97. He also won in 2008. But that first win in 97, I actually got to talk to him personally. And you could just see the excitement on, on his face and how much he loved the course. He was staying at a local hotel. But he said, I don't even want to go back to the hotel. He spent so much time and the driving range and putting range. Just oh, love the hospitality of the place. Has come here so many years since. Again, two-time winner. I just think at this age, at this age, Chris, he's just so comfortable with that course. It was just a, he had to play in this tournament to keep it going, and uh, he was just very good. And this is a guy. Again, he loves this course so much. He's known in the past. He has said to tournament organizers about. The uh the fifteenth to eighteenth. Of course the 16th, 17th, and eighteenth uh go around the four acre lake. And it can be a little challenging but it's a lot of fun. But uh Stuart Sink has said about the four last holes, he says they are four of the most exciting finishing holes in a group anywhere in the world. That comes from Stuart Sink's Uh, mouth. So, you know, he loves the place. And uh, again, he hit it at a good time where he knew he was going to do good here. So uh, this was a confidence booster for him, him, big time.
1: And Bob, you mentioned last year's tournament, which Jordan Spieth won in a playoff over Daniel Berger on what was probably one of the most exciting shots of the whole golf year with his hole out from the bunker and then subsequent chest bump with his caddy, Michael Greller. That had to be a huge thrill to witness last year.
0: Oh, uh, I, I probably, you know, I've covered sports for a long time because I've never heard noise like that. I was probably 10, 11 deep, uh, on that 18th hole, uh, kind of going up the hill a little bit. But the, the, the roar was something I've never heard at a baseball game or anything quite like it. And I really couldn't see Spieth and his Caddy celebrating because of the, the sea of people in front of me, but we were watching TVs above and monitors, etc. It was just a, a, a something you'll never forget. And again, that was another thing the Travelers had to deal with going into this tournament. Could they top that, which uh, was almost impossible to do. But like I said, Speed did a, a similar shot early in the tournament where people just were shaking their heads. So yeah, that was a moment that Hartford will never forget.
1: And Bob, you know, speaking of of Jordan and and the tournament this year, you mentioned his open round 63 at him in a tie for the lead on Thursday. Unfortunately, faded Friday and Saturday, shooting a collective four over par of those two days. But did you get to see any of his rounds and get a taste for maybe why he's been struggling so much this season?
0: I did watch him a little bit uh, on uh, Friday, Chris. That was his worst day. I mean, you could tell. I mean, once if you shoot over par in Hartford, it's a bad day uh, for these guys is how good they are. And he, he shot um, over par both on Friday and Saturday. Uh, he didn't really say too much about it. He just said, you know, golf is one of those games. He said uh, anything can happen. Again, he was playing at a different time of the day. Uh, on Friday and Saturday, and the conditions had changed a little but but he would never use that as an excuse. But um he just kind of didn't keep it in the fair way, probably like it he would have loved to do and which he's known to do, Chris. Again, I don't know if any of the magic of last year uh was kind of overwhelming to him. I mean, his, the, the people that were following him, were uh, in the thousands. It was crazy. But uh, he handled it well. And of course, he had those very nice things to say after the tournament that he would still welcome coming back here any year.
1: And the guy that he faced off in the playoff last year, Daniel Berger fared even worse than Jordan this year. He's finished tied for 67th at, at even par. Did you get a chance to to uh either see what Daniel Berger was doing out there or hear his comments? I was I was a little surprised that neither one of those guys was really a factor this go around.
0: Yeah, when you hear Berger's name here, he's had a lot of success here. You expect them to always be good. And, uh, you know, when you shoot an opening round of 67 here, you say, oh, that's pretty good. But again, the second and third round, both scores were over par and that's just not going to get it done here in Hartford. I mean, any other tournament, Chris, you know, you shoot 67, 71, 73, 69, you might be doing pretty good. But here, again, on a par 70, uh, Berger would be the first to tell you that's not going to be good enough. And uh, again, the cut line, minus one. A lot of good players didn't make it, Chris, and uh, that's th- that's what it is here. It's it's really competitive, and uh, Berger was one of those guys, again, it's had a lot of success, but he'll try again next year.
1: Right. And getting back to Bubba quickly, he, he won this tournament for the third time. It was his third time winning this season as well, Billy Casper has won that event four times. So he's within one of tying Casper's record for the most tournament victories up there. He came, like we said, from six shots back to win this year. He came from six shots back to win there back in 2010. That was his first PGA tour victory. And uh, he, you know, and then 2015, he also beats Paul Casey in a playoff. Paul Casey being the guy that went into the final round with a big lead uh, only to have Bubba overcome him. But, you know, your sense for, you know, this tournament and Bubba. You know why? Why do you think this tournament is such a good fit for his game? In his eye,
0: he just gets on one of those rolls, Chris. You know, a course like this is not going to give him any problem lengthwise. Uh, that's for sure. And and a lot of par fours, and he was he was just hitting so many great shots, great second shots. His approaches were incredible. He's he's just so good on this course. Um, and you know, after that second round of 63. Everybody kind of almost forgot about him. When you shoot even par in the first round here, you're like, oh, you know, I he's, he's, hope he makes the cut. Well, he was just kind of telling the people in Hartford, I'm still around, I'm 63. Nobody probably would think that he could duplicate that on a Sunday, which he ended up doing. But he just loves the course, loves the people, hits the ball straight, and, and doesn't make many mistakes, Chris. And uh, that's going to get him in the winner's circle a lot. And he probably will win this tournament again because – he comes back every year, and he loves it so much, but he was a pleasure to watch, and of course, he's a crowd favorite, and when he donated $200,000, Chris, to charity out of his winnings, that brought the year total to $2 million to charity for the Travelers this year, which puts put them, put them at about $40 million since the uh, inception back in the 50s when they started donating to local charities.
1: Yeah, and I, and that's the next thing I wanted to ask you about, Bob. Is really the impact this tournament has on the local community. You talk about what they do for charity, but talk about you know how the how the community has rallied around this tournament every year for, as you point out, now for what, fifty years.
0: Well, I think they've been about sixty years or so. This uh, Connecticut PGA Tour stop, they've donated well with the two million this year, Chris, about forty million to surrounding charities this year. The, uh, the major beneficiary was, uh, Paul Newman's Hole in the Wall Camp. It's right down the road from here. Uh, it, it, it benefits kids that are, have some major, major health problems, but it gives them a nice, uh, camping experience, Chris, with a lot of local schools and, and young kids at their age. They go visit. It's really, Uh, I've been there, and it'll it'll make tears come to your eyes uh, But what Newman did uh, with that camp and what continues to do. But they were the major beneficiaries this year. And, again, all the proceeds from the Travelers, net proceeds go to charity every year. And, uh, again, what chairman of the Travelers, Andy Bassett and Nathan Groove, have done uh, to bring attention to this, it just keeps growing every year. And uh, that donation by Bubba, uh, just made him godlike here.
1: <laughs> I bet it did, Bob. Just a couple more before we let you go. I want to fast forward a couple of weeks to the Open Championship at Carnoustie. Curious to get your thoughts. Who are you expecting to see on the top of the leaderboard come Sunday?
0: Boy, you got to look for guys that are both kind of well-rested, crisp, but hot at the same time. You know, you wonder if a guy like uh, Dustin Johnson. Uh, will be able to bounce back and and of course guys that I saw play, you know speed is gonna probably be very very competitive and kept good guys are that are just on a roll and probably in their prime at the top of their their game uh, you just the con- the conditions there you just never know, Chris, you gotta think of the guys maybe that did well at Shinnecock would go over to uh Carnoustie and, and have some uh, success there. Maybe a Patrick Reed, somebody like that that's uh, now got the monkey off their back, that played well at Shinnecock, that can conquer another monster out that way.
1: So the question, you know, that most people are asking, right, looking ahead to that tournament is around Tiger Woods. Can Tiger be a factor? We've seen him play, you know, very well. Obviously this past weekend, you know, a tie for fourth, albeit a very distant tied for fourth because Francisco Molinari practically lapped the field thanks to a ridiculous final round, 62. But uh, we've seen Tiger, you know, come up in the top ten, a couple of top fives. Wasn't really a factor in the Masters or the U.S. Open, obviously not making the cut at the Open. But uh, do you think he can be a factor at Carnoustie?
0: Well, you know, Chris, I watched him pretty closely this weekend at Quicken Loans. He's he shows you signs of the old tiger. He the guy is still an incredibly talented golfer. He just has trouble, Chris, on that, that back nine. It's like every tournament, a uh, little problem here, a little bogey at the worst type of place, and then he'll follow it up with a big birdie. But he gets uh, you know a couple bogeys on that back nine, which always seem to set him back at a crucial time. Um, until he shows me that he can get that monkey off his back. As far as these bogeys on the on the back nine in these big tournaments, uh, i, I got to think that there's going to be guys that I would pick before him. But, again, nothing he does, being what he's accomplished in the past, nothing would surprise me.
1: Bob, let our listeners know, how can they follow you on social media, plus watch some of the great interviews that you've done over on the TV side as well.
0: You you and I do a lot of tweeting, uh, retweeting our, between ourselves. It's a lot of fun, Chris, at Bob under slash Lazeri. And then, of course, if you go to the YouTube channel, Monday Night Sports, go to YouTube and just type in Monday Night Sports 14, all one word, You'll have your choice of about 130 interviews where you can watch. uh, Even one with Chris Mascaro is on there, so if you dig deep enough. So (laughs) (laughs) check it out, folks. And uh, I look forward, Chris, to uh, doing the football show with you on Thursday and uh, probably doing some golf shows in the future also.
1: Well, Bob, it's it's always a great privilege for me to get to spend some time with you, whether it's here talking some golf, which we've done for the first time this season, and like you say, hopefully we'll do it some more. And then, of course, together on our show Thursday night, Tailgate. So look forward to catching up with you just in a couple of days. And between now and then, my friend, have a a wonderful and safe Fourth of July. And uh, I look forward to catching up with you on Thursday.
0: Uh, You please do the same, Chris. It's always my pleasure. And uh, we'll talk then. Take care now.
1: All right, Pop. Take care. That is my Thursday Night Tailgate co-host, Bob Lazari. And again, you can follow him on Twitter at Bob underscore Lazari. His last name is spelled L-A-Z-Z-A-R-I. And, uh, did some great stuff. Always, always had some great co- uh, columns out there. That you can read his take on some things, whether it's in baseball, football, golf, what have you. Check that, check that out. And then the Monday Night Sports 14 over on YouTube. He and uh, our good friend Tony D'Angelo over on the TV side. Some great interviews with uh, some wonderful athletes, again, across all genres of sports. So look forward to catching up with Bob here on Thursday night on our show Thursday Night Tailgate.